I watched the Lord strip me of all of this childhood garbage. You know, he's the best psychologist. He's the best family therapist. He's, he's the best, like, um, drug and alcohol group in the world. He he really is. is. He is the deliverer and he is the healer and he is the ultimate doctor and he will give you all your life back. And I know that for a fact, because these are all things that doctors and surgeons and, and groups, they couldn't do for me, but, but Christ did it for me. He did it for me. episode 17. Thank you all so much for joining me on today. It is my prayer that uh, success in Christ is touching you in a way that causes you to want to change for the better, that is uh, making your walk with God just a little bit better. Uh, Today, it's another wonderful interview uh, that I have with a gentleman by the name of Rob Decker. Rob definitely has something to give God praise about. And when you hear this interview, when you hear his testimony, you'll understand exactly why. You know, the Bible tells us that we are overcomers by the words of our testimony. And the fact that he reached out to success in Christ and said, hey, God did something great for me, and I want to share it with as many people as possible. You know, I just thank God for that. I thank God for you, Rob, and your family. And I just pray many, many blessings uh, upon you and your endeavors. So before we get into this podcast, I do want to have a word of prayer. So if you will all would not mind, if you just don't mind stopping where you are, and let's just have a, a word of prayer. Most gracious and heavenly Father, first of all, God, we just want to say thank you for another day of uh, praise and worship, another day that we get to serve you, Lord. Father, I ask that all of those that are listening to this podcast on today, that they are touched, that they are moved, Lord God, that they they want to become closer to you, that they desire a closer walk with you. I thank you for Rob and his family, Father. I just ask a special blessing upon them and their endeavors. And Lord God, just whatever you put his hands to do, he and his wife, Lord God, I just ask that you give them favor right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, all of those that are listening, Lord God, bless them on today and their families. Lord God, and give them the desires of their heart. But Lord God, more than anything, Lord God, that they desire to walk closer to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and we thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, you all, without further ado, I present Rob Decker. Hey, Rob, welcome to Success in Christ. (laughs) Thank you for having me on the show, and I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. I'm so glad that you um, saw our Facebook website and reached out and just wanted to share what uh, God has done for you. It was definitely um, a moving testimony. I saw that you were on um, the 700 Club where you your testimony about how God had done some uh, pretty amazing and miraculous things in your life. And so um, I'm just going to give you the floor to share however God leads you uh, and wherever God leads you. So start from from wherever you, you'd like to start with your testimony. Yeah, I, I always start with my mother. Um, I think it's a good place to start. You know, uh, this this all really began before I even came to 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 fruition. So my my mom was the oldest out of five children, and she grew up in a household that was very uh, abusive, and there was drugs and alcohol. Um, she, uh, she 
was raped and beaten and kicked out of her home by the time she was like 15 or 16. So she, she was jumping foster home to foster home. And, uh, when she was roughly 17 years old, she got pregnant with me and she was encouraged to have an abortion. And my mom didn't want to do that. Uh, I think my mom was in such a place that she never felt love, never knew love. And so she felt that if she could have me, um, she could love me and I could love her back. Mm, Um, when I was about five, five years old, I had, um, got a diploma from, from kindergarten and I came home that day and I remember, um, my, my mom and my dad sitting me down and I found out that that day that my dad wasn't my biological father. He, he'd been the man who raised me since I was six months old, but, um, he wasn't my biological father and my sister was not my biological sister. And, um, I, and, and this was my very first God experience. And, and years later, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit brought this back to life for me. But I, I remember leaving that conversation, telling myself it's okay because God's my father and he loves me. Everything's going to be okay. Um, we weren't like a huge religious family by any means. So I couldn't tell you where I got any of that. Um, in my young years, wow. I witnessed I witnessed a lot of uh, alcohol abuse, drug abuse. Um, there was uh, constant bickering between my parents. Um, there was always parties at the house, loud music. I mean, um, both parents were smokers and, and drinkers, and they were dabbling in other other stuff. And um, as time went on, you know, I would uh, witness my father uh, – you know, attack my mother, or they get into an argument. And I lived in a, in a, I guess, a generation or era where domestic violence wasn't as, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, just wasn't as like punishable than it is now, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah. you know, I think now, you know, you, you raise, your hand to someone or you, you put hands on them. I mean, there's a lot of consequences to, to that where I grew up in a, a day and age where, you know, you would see something like that. Dad would go to jail. Um, uncle would bail him out and he'd be still under the influence by the time he got home. You know, there was no sleeping it off overnight type stuff. So, you know, I saw a lot of that through my young years. Um, you know, I even, I even remember uh, having my first beer, probably at like five or six years old, my dad took me over to a neighbor's house and, um, encouraged me to have a beer. And, you know, I, you know, I remember those kind of things and eventually, um, you know, my middle school years were hard because there was a great division between my sister and I, I mean, we just knew we weren't full blooded brother and sister. And apparently we were really, really close until that news came to, came to light. And, um, um, I remember, um, just starting to become violent myself. Um, I became a a freshman in in high school. I started uh, drinking, I started smoking weed and, um, and I remember freshman year getting in a fight in my, my medals class. I remember 
some older kid, you know, uh, trying to rough me up and, and I just wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to let him, let him do that. And, and, you know, I ended up, uh, getting in a fight with him and, and that was like my first stint of trouble. And this was my freshman year in high school. Um, I constantly would get in, into fights and, and arguments and I probably was suspended from school. I never graduated high school. I was suspended from school probably about 10 times, uh, um, probably 15 to 20 fights, uh, fist fights. Um, you know, I was just rebelling really hard. I just didn't care about my grades because no one at home really cared. I, I really loved the game of baseball. And, um, you know, I, I made the baseball team, but, you know, I, I believe that with all the chaos going on at home, you know, there was, there was no structure. There was nothing that encouraged me to, to, to get good grades, to continue to play baseball. And I remember getting kicked off my baseball team for throwing a baseball at my coach's uh, car. Yeah. You know, I was just a really, I was just a really angry kid. And I got so, to a point. Oh yeah. Were your parents, I'm sorry. Were your parents still together at this time? Uh, well, I was just about to lead into that. Okay. <laughs> Look at that. Look at you. Um, actually. So what I was about to share with you was, so my mom and dad, um, so my mom, so they were heavily into meth. So my mom got heavily into to meth and she was hanging out with a, a bunch of a gang members. She was hanging out with, uh, a bunch of white priders and my dad, he what do you had say? White priders? the white priders, like the, the Aryans, those, those dudes. Um, yeah. Okay. No good. You know, penitentiary kind of white guys. <laughs> she was, she was hanging out with those dudes. Um, and they were all, you know, doing dope together. And my dad had left the house, and he was living with his girlfriend. So he was still married to my mom. He was still paying the rent and stuff like that. But, um, you know, due to the drugs, the alcohol, all the violence, like my mom and dad, you know, they separated. And, and my mom got a boyfriend. My my dad got a girlfriend. And, um, and there was a point in time where my mom felt like it was a good idea that she seek out my biological father since my dad wasn't around. Um, and that's what she did. And I remember one day after school, uh, I was looking forward to meeting him because, you know, my relationship with my dad was just so, so severed because of um, how he treated me and the drugs and the alcohol and everything. And um, I show up from, from home or show up home from school and I see this little red truck and I'm getting kind of excited and I'm nervous and I'm about to meet this guy that looks like me. You know, my dad didn't look like me. I'm about to meet the guy that looks like me. And I walk in the house and I'm looking for my mom and I, I walk into her bedroom and he's sitting there on her bed with her nowhere in sight, smoking on a glass pipe. Turns out uh, he did a bunch of years in prison for a meth lab at his parents' house. And, you know, he's a meth head. You know, so here I have my dad who, you know, left my mom um, and my biological fa father was a meth head. And I know my dad was doing drugs because I walked in on him doing it before. Um, so that that took place. But, you know, my dad wasn't out of the picture. He would still show up at the house. And so there were times when my dad would show up to the house and he was completely intoxicated and I'd be in bed and he'd show up and he'd just be like, you need to get out there and do the dishes, boy. And I'm, I'm giving you the clean version. 
And um, I remember I was so like far from it. I was just so angry and hurt all the time and just so rebellious. And my dad walks in my room and he's, he's trying to tell me what to do. And, you know, I yelled at him, like, you're not even my father. And he brought his girlfriend to the house that day, that night. And, um, you know, I said, he would just come to the house at any given point and just, yeah, he had that ability. He still paid the rent. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that evening he threw me out of my bed and challenged me to meet him in the living room for a fist fight. And, you know, I was, I was at a point where it's like, um, yeah, let's do it. And I walked out there and he stepped on my foot and open hand slapped me and knocked me back. And I, I, I unloaded on my dad. I got, in a, you know, um, those were the only two shots I got in that night. <laughs> my dad was a uh, professional fighter in the Marines. He was a pretty tough man. And, uh, he took me to school that night. Uh, I ended up with a, a fat lip, uh, a black and blue ear. Reality is, is he actually could have done a lot more damage than he did that night. But, you know, that's that's what happened, you know. So uh, eventually we end up getting kicked out of that house with all the riffraff, the drugs, the alcohol, the police constantly being called, all the gang members. My sister's a year and a half younger than me. She was banging. You know, I was hanging out with some street thugs. Um, it was just bad. And eventually the landlord couldn't take it anymore and, and gave us the boot. And I was fortunate enough to, to have some friends uh, um, that really cared about me. They really did. And, and they saw something good in me and they did their best to take care of me. And yeah. they brought me in and, and, and I love their family to death. And those guys, their brothers to me and their family's family to me. But I had a big hole in my heart. Like I, I wanted to have a relationship with my mom. I wanted to have a relationship with my dad, even though he wasn't my biological father. He was still my dad. And, um, and I, and I yearned to have a relationship with my sister as well. And, um, I started getting heavier into the drugs and, and, and the alcohol. Um, you know, before you know it, I was drinking the big bottles of vodka at night, drinking two forties of malt liquor, uh, doing eight balls of cocaine. It was just, um, it was just reckless. And that was my twenties. And, and the reality is like, I could keep a job for a short period of time, but something would happen, you know? Um, and it, it always had to, it was always drug alcohol or, or crime violent related because yeah. the, the crime and the violence always came out of the drugs and the alcohol and, and all the brokenness. And I kept getting in and out of, uh, a lot of relationships. And eventually I think I was like 27, or 28, I got a job at Gold's Gym, and there was this young man there, and he was always trying to preach Jesus to me, and I was just like, you know, man, that's cool, that might work for you, it just doesn't work for me, but like, and and to know the guy, like, he's a super cool dude, and he's still a brother, and I love him, um, but you're just like, that's not the kind of guy I want to be, you know, I, I kind of, I would look at all his flaws, and, and uh, his insecurities, and like, well, you know, you, you're over here claiming this and that, but like, look at your struggles and look at your, you know, um, yeah. And, and at that same time, I actually met a, a young lady as well and, um, started talking to her. And at that time I, I was actually seeing somebody else. Um, I was always in that like mindset of, it was like a good idea to, to be a player and have all these girls. And, um, I was just really, insecure and really selfish. And, and I was always in survival mode. I was always looking out for, for me. And of course I didn't know this stuff at the time, but 
that's exactly what I was doing. And, and so I get involved with this young lady and, you know, I knew right out the gate that I shouldn't have even been near her. And, uh, just in a short period, huh? Why? Well, you just, so I just knew early on, like, um, there was just something in her personality where it was just really, um, like I, you know, I had a, a conversation with her and she kind of led me to believe that her father may have done some stuff to her. And she had also just gotten out of a relationship. Um, I guess that was pretty bad too. And, and, and she was a lot younger than I was. So there were just all these variables, um, all these red flags, but you know, I was reckless and I, you know, I just jumped on it anyway and, and gave it a shot. And, you know, it was pretty short lived because we ended up, um, we ended up breaking up over some domestic stuff, you know, things got, got aggro, things got, got violent and, uh, you know, it just wasn't healthy. So during that time, my buddy reached back out to me and he's like, well, you ready, you ready to, uh, to come to Bible study and, and meet Jesus. And so yeah, same guy, same guy. (laughs) He always remained my friend. He was a good soul. Like he was just a good dude, no matter like my perspective on him, you know, (laughs) he was just a really good dude. And, and so, um, so he brings me to church and, uh, and I'm sitting in this really big room and it's air conditioned and all these guys are, you know, asking me, are you ready to receive the Lord? And I was like, yeah, let's do this. You know, like I, I wasn't working. I, I, I don't believe I even had my license at the time. Not sure. Um, just broken up with this young lady drinking, using all sorts of stuff, you know? And, so you, um, it was, was it how you were feeling that, um, you know, about the breakup that led you to go ahead and go to church with him? Is it just because you were at a vulnerable state at that point that led you to say, okay, all right, I'll go. Well, I just, I kind of felt like I had nothing to lose and I really liked the guy, you know, I really liked the guy and, you know, I always believed in God, you know, and I won't say that I did not believe in Jesus. Like there was something about Jesus, even though he was not someone that really came into my, like if someone would bring him up, I wouldn't like dog him out. Right. It's just not something that I, I ever really did. It's just, I chose not to receive him. If that makes sense. Yes, I understand. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wasn't blasting him by any means, but um, I just felt like I, you know, maybe this is just the time for all this. And and so when I went, I actually had a pretty supernatural experience. I, you know, these guys were praying over me. And like I said, we were in an air-conditioned room, and all of a sudden I start shaking, and I'm trembling, and, and um, I start sweating. And it's not that I'm thinking of anything, because I'm not thinking. I'm not fearful of anything. I'm not anxious for anything. And um, And I walked out of that just feeling rejuvenated and I really enjoyed it. And so the next couple months I was going to church and I was hanging out with these guys and I was going to Bible studies and it was just, it was just amazing. You know, I mean, we talked about God a lot and, um, I needed a lot of God. Uh, but within that, the young lady came back, she came back into my life. And while she was gone, what she did is she got into escorting and, uh, a, a, a buddy I know, uh, turned her over onto that to, to make some extra money. Um, I guess her mom wasn't helping her out anymore. Her job wasn't 
given her enough and I, I wasn't able to support her. So she went out into the world and started escorting and, uh, we reconnected and, and my, my thing was like, I just didn't want her doing that kind of stuff. It just wasn't, it wasn't safe. It just wasn't smart. And so I was trying to get her to quit doing that, you know, and I had just had the new God factor. Right. So like, that's not what God would want you to do <laughs> while I'm right. still like drinking yeah, and using zeal. drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, same zeal got me in trouble in school many times. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, probably not the person I should have been preaching to, but, um, you know, so what happened was, is the deal was that she was going to get rid of all of her clients. And there was one last client that she had to go with over to Hawaii. And, uh, while she was there, she would send me pictures of black and blue eyes and she would call me and tell me how he forced himself on her and disrespected her, treated her really bad. And, you know, you know, he raped her, you know, he raped her and he was abusive to her while, while, um, she was over there. And so what she wanted was for us to make good when she, when she came back. And so when she came back, she picked me up from my buddy's house and we shot over to the liquor store and went over to her house. And again, I knew this was a bad idea, but I chose to do it anyway. And we're at her house and we get into conversation and, you know, it turns into more of an argument and I chose to go downstairs. She lived in a loft. So I chose to go downstairs and, and get some rest on the couch, but I end up waking up to the, a banging on the door and, uh, I hear, uh, it's the police open up. We know you're in there. And I was just like, what? <laughs> and she comes down the stairs and I ask her what's going on. And she looked at me and she told me that she called the cops and, and told them that I raped her and that I tried to kill her. And in that moment, I was just like, so beyond myself. I was, I just felt betrayed and confused and scared. And, Why? and uh, she took it to that extreme. Why? Well, this is what I believe. Um, this is what the Lord put on my heart when I was in the hospital, actually. Uh, it was actually, so when I was in the hospital, the Lord was telling me like, when I get to that part of the story, but, um, you know, you, you know, to heal, you have to forgive her. Like the first step in healing is forgiving her. But what he, what he had shown me while I was in the hospital was that she came back to me because she felt like it was a safe place and, um, she felt betrayed by the rejection that I gave her. So what happened that night is she wanted to, to hook up. She wanted to get intimate and I completely rejected her. So she came from a place where, um, she had just got raped. Someone had forced a guy that she didn't care about, um, forced himself on her. And then she comes home to a guy that she cares about and he completely rejects her. So out of that, she needed to have the upper hand out of her spite and her hurt. Mm-hmm. And she called the cops and, and that's kind of, well, that's what the Lord showed me. He, he showed me in a much better way than I can explain it. Right. Um, Cause he does that a lot of times. Sometimes it's hard for me to explain exactly how he shows me something, but that's what he showed me. Uh, so in those moments of, you know, me feeling betrayed and, 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 and confused and and scared. I just felt like that was it for me. And I looked at her and I said, you know, 
I'm, I'm over this. I can't do this anymore. I mean, outside of receiving Christ, I, I had nothing going for me. Yeah. Drugs, the alcohol, you know, my, I wasn't close to my family, nothing really. But I did, I did have people that cared about me, but as far as I was concerned, I had nothing. And so I decided to jump headfirst out of a closed window, um, ran headfirst out of a closed window in a three-story loft. Uh, with the intention of killing myself, breaking my neck and killing myself. And on my way down, my foot clipped an awning and changed my fall and ended up breaking my back, shattering my left arm, breaking my right wrist and collapsing my left lung. And I was just there in a big old lump of flesh. I couldn't move, but I was in serious pain. And I remember the ambulance. Oh, go ahead. At that moment, uh, the, the cops were there. Yes, 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 yes. They were knocking at the door. Yeah. And so, um, had they been, were they in in the actual apartment yet? No, 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 no. So no, they weren't in. Pretty much in a, a state of I'm I'm tired. I'm fed up. I'm over it. I'm just so over it. And you know, in all honesty, like as I was growing up, and you know, I I say these things that my dad did uh, a lot. I share these things that my dad and and I love my dad with all my heart. You know, um, I've I've been able to forgive him. He said a lot of hurtful things to me growing up, but my dad had his own issues. And um, and he used to tell me that I was going to end up in prison or that I was going to die young. Mm. And, and, you know, all that stuff just comes back. Like when they say that your life flashes before you, it's like that's a real situation. It's mm. almost like you could play a whole movie of events in your mind um, in a split second and like all the words, all the visions, everything, like even the vision of going to prison for something I didn't do, um, being, being an older white male with a young black woman and going to prison. Um, yeah, that doesn't look good for anybody. Right. Uh, you you rape a young black woman and you're a white guy. Like that's, that's not going to, uh, go over too well. And, um, definitely a a vision or, or thought that ran through my head. And so I just ran and I was just like, I'm over it and, uh, ended up just breaking myself up instead of killing myself. And I do remember looking up at that window and asking God, why, like, why would you let me live? It just didn't make sense to me why he'd let me live. The only thing I really had going for me was the fact that I worked out all the time. So I was in pretty good shape, at least on the outside. Aesthetically, I looked like I was doing okay. I'm sure my, my, my guts were rotten from all the drugs and the alcohol, but on the outside, I looked okay. But that, the only thing I really had left was just taken away from me. And, um, I ended up going to the hospital, 10 hour surgery, wake up in the morning. I have tubes coming out of my neck, patches all over my chest. Um, I have a cast external fixator, a back brace. Um, I'm pumped. They're pumping medication into me. Uh, it was just, a, it was just chaos. And, and then the police show up, the police show up and they arrest me. They're like, Mr. Decker, you're under arrest for rape and attempted murder. And so they shackled, they shackled me to the bed. And so, so now I had 24 hour surveillance on top of not being able to walk and uh, feed myself or use the restroom for myself. I was in the lowest low places. Um, and there was a, a cop there who was giving me such a hard time. He's reading the report and he's, he's giving me a hard time. He's, he's plugging at me. He's just like, Mr. Decker, I'm reading the report and uh, you've done some pretty vicious stuff. And, and 
you know, I start to break down and I'm telling the officer, you know, I've done some really bad stuff in my life. I made some really poor choices, but to do what they're saying I did is just not something I would ever do. I really cared about that girl and maybe I didn't show her the right way, but that's just not something I would ever do. And as I'm breaking down crying, like uh, a nurse walks in and she has to calm me down because my blood pressure is just skyrocketed. And I guess, you know, that's just not a state that they wanted me to be in. And as the nurse is leaving, the young lady walks in with a brand new hairstyle, sunglasses, holding a folder, her sister's with her. And the cop looks up at me and he goes, is that who I think that is? And I said, yes, yes, it is. And he goes, well, this doesn't make sense for someone who's claimed to go through all those things. And he gets up and he escorts her out. And that's the last time I ever saw that young lady. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, later that night, I'm, I'm, I'm laying in bed and I'm asking God, like, what are we going to do? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm over here facing rape and murder charges, never walking again. Um, I, I couldn't move. There was, there was nothing. It, I, I was not, I wasn't moving. There was nothing I was doing. Um, yeah. um, you know, I, I was going to face all these bills and all this kind of stuff. And, and I'm laying, I'm laying in bed talking to the Lord and as I'm talking to him, all of a sudden, I just get this tr tranquil feeling, this peace, this calming that just comes over me. And for a moment, like everything gets silent, everything gets dark, everything's chilled out for me. Um, the pain has subsided for a moment. And, and I hear these words, the charges will be dropped, your bills will be paid, and you will walk again. Mm. And I doze right. off and to this vision playing like this vision of me playing soccer. Um, and, and I wake up in the morning and everything's back, the lights, the chaos, the nurses, the doctors, the traffic, the, you know, the, the sounds of the machines, all the pain. Was, yeah. All the pain. And yeah. there was a new police officer in my room that morning and he's talking to me and he goes, Hey, I just want to let you know, they're going to, they're going to, um, they're going to release you in a couple days. He just wanted to give me the heads up. And I'm just like, what? Like, <laughs> release me. Like, that's kind of what the Lord said that was going to happen, you know? Oh, um, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so a couple days pass by. They come in and really nice detectives, nice cops, and they, they release me. And they're just like, Mr. Decker, we hope the best for you. You know, get better. Really sweet, guys. And uh, shortly after that, I was now allowed to have visitors. Um, when you're detained in the hospital, you're a prisoner. And so yeah. you don't get visitors. Yeah. And so my first visitor was my mom. And my mom and I were kind of estranged. The last conversation her and I had uh, is definitely not a conversation a, a son should ever have with his mom. Uh, the things that I said just weren't uh, good at all. And um, my mom, I see her in the hallway and she's she's crying. And she's just, you know, and I, I know what the doctor's telling her. The doctor's telling her that I'm never going to walk again. And she walks in the room, I'm like, hey, mom, what's what's going on? You know, she's like, nothing, son, nothing. I'm like, I, I already know, mom. What's, you know, they're, they're telling you I'll never walk again. And she's just like, yeah. And she's, my mom just walks over to my bed and she looks at me and she just sees her, you know, and I'm sure from a mom's perspective, she sees her baby boy, her 29-year-old baby boy, yeah. this, this, this little boy that she brought into this world because she wanted to love him and wanted him to love her. Yeah. And, um, she looks at me, uh, so sincere and so loving. 
like, I just wish it had all ended for you that day. And, um, you know, I, I don't think my mom wanted me dead in, in that sense. I just don't think my mom wanted me to suffer anymore. She, right. she saw 29 years of me suffering the drugs and the alcohol and the bad relationships and, yeah. and, and she suffered her whole life too. You know, my mom, my mom just got clean a couple of years ago. My mom suffered a whole lot. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the nurses end up walking in while my mom and I are having a conversation and uh-huh. they're like, Mr. Decker, we're going to try to get you to stand up. And I knew for a fact that, that this just wasn't going to happen. I'm not, I'm not standing up by any means. Yeah. Um, but my mom's in the room. Um, can you, I'm I, sorry. Can you hear that? <laughs> is is that the lawnmower? Is that the lawnmower? <laughs> <laughs> you can hear it. I do not. I do not hear it. I do not hear it. You don't? I don't hear it. No, no. Okay. Maybe <laughs> my phone's not picking it up. I, I kind of have a feeling it is. I'm going to have to do some serious editing. Uh, are, you, are you able to pull out noises and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I think. Uh, I think I'm going to have to have a sound person do something. My husband is obsessed with a, a beautiful yard. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's almost nine o'clock here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It should be getting dark about now. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry about that. I just wanted You're to know good. if you can hear it. You can hear it. Okay. No, I'm no, good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, Please so, continue. And so as I get up, uh, or as they, uh, you know, the nurses are attempting to get me up, and the only thing I can think about is my mom being in that room, and just trying to give her some hope, and. I think about Jesus. I think about what happened to him on the cross. Uh, Isaiah 53 is one of my favorite, uh, is my favorite book, uh, my favorite chapter in the whole word. And it just talks about what happened to him. You know, it's great prophecy. You know, that, that took, that book was written four or 500 years before um, that prophecy came to, to pass. But just to, to think about what happened to Christ to, to get visions and, and images from Passion of Christ, the movie, and to, just to think about Christ and what he did on that cross and, and more, um, you know, I can try to stand up on my two feet. And yeah. as I'm thinking about all that stuff, yeah. I shoot up. I, I just muster up as much energy as I can, and I just start squealing. It was, it was the most intense pain. I mean— it was like breaking my back all over again. And um, the nurses stick some some needles in the tubes to put medication in me. And they're like, yeah, it's not happening. Shortly after that, a uh, surgeon a surgeon walks in. He's like, we're going to have another surgery. That's what we're going to do. We're going to have another surgery. And I was like, okay. So we have another surgery. And I'm down what for a couple days. What was it before particularly? Oh, uh, for the back again. They wanted to perform surgery on my back. So because of the broken back, all the nerves back there were all mangled, which weren't, it wasn't allowing me to stand up on my feet. Okay. So what they wanted to do was to perform another back surgery. Okay. And, um, and I remember a couple of days passed and the nurse gets me to go stand on my feet. And I remember she pulls me out of bed and I can actually stand on my feet. Wow. And I'm like, so giddy because like, the Lord said I was going to walk again. <laughs> yeah. And she takes me out into the hallway and, and I'm 
so my my left side of my body is pretty shut down because that's the side of the body I fell on. Mm-hmm. Um, so my left leg's really uh, jacked up, and my right leg has a lot more function than my left leg. And so I'm over here like trying to walk, but almost run in the hallway because I'm so excited, yeah. almost like I'm doing um, my one leg is moving too fast for the other and I'm almost doing circles yeah. <laughs> and I run into the wall and the nurse says that I have to s- slow down and calm down. And she looks like, so you know, concerned and I'm, yeah. I'm excited, you know, I'm yeah. excited. I yeah. I'm excited. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to walk again. I'm going to run again. Um, I don't, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what anything that, that was going to look like, but. And how you know, long had I, you been in the hospital at this time? I think that was my, second week in the hospital okay. and I ended up staying the first time for six weeks. I ended up staying a month and a half. And, um, because, uh, the state was covering my bills, they wanted to push me out of the hospital as soon as possible. Uh, and so, um, they ended up getting me out of the house, out of the house, out of the hospital at six weeks. And I went to go live with my mom and, during that time with my mom, I mean, a lot of stuff happened. You know, I got to see who my mom really was. Um, as I, you know, she allowed me into her home. She wanted to take care of me, but my mom still had her stuff, you know, and my mom would, you know, take my pain medication in return. She'd give me alcohol so I could numb my pain. And, but, um, all that stuff wasn't so important to me. What was important was I was getting to know my mom. And I really like fell in love with my mom all over again. I remember one day she walked to that front door after work and I was laying on the couch and I just start bawling my eyes out. And I tell my mom how much I love her because God had placed on my heart that this was your mother, like as flawed as she is, you know, like he just really started showing me who she was and, and just really bringing up all the stories of the things that had happened to her. Like, and I've heard the stories before. I just never really, right. I never really gave her credit. Um, but I really started putting it all together and I just fell in love with my mom. And, and so I started developing a relationship with my mom. And unfortunately I actually, I had to move out of the house because of, um, the pain pill situation and the smoking, like she was a cigarette smoker and that inhibits your ability to, to heal. And so I lived with some friends and then my back wasn't completely healed, had a third surgery. And at this point I was in a, um, a hotel room and my best friend shows up at the hotel room and he wants to see where my head's at. He just wants to see what's going on. And he invites me into his home and I ended up spending the next few years there, um, rehabilitating, um, just trying to, to get better and, and, I would get up in the mornings and I would go for walks and I was praying all the time and I was just asking the Lord for help. And before you know it, like, you know, I was hanging out with these Christian brothers. They were picking me up, taking me places to church and all these, these, uh, events that the church would have, um, young, young adults groups and stuff like that. So I was able to kind of get back out into the, out in there and, and, and connect with people. Uh, but a real big game changer was my buddy who, calls me up one day and he's like, Hey man, I want to start working out. Do you, and, and I, w- I was previously a personal trainer. Um, I was kind of the, the guy amongst all my friends that everyone would go work out with. Like if anyone wants to work out, just go with Rob. Cause you know, he's going to go work out. And, um, he takes me to the gym on a guest pass 
And, and I'm just there to instruct. But what happened was, is I touched the weight and I fell in love with lifting weights again. And I just like, well, Lord, like, like you want me in here. Um, so I started lifting weights again. Um, yeah. And I mean, I was on five or six different pain medications too. I was on a lot of junk. So, you know, even in my, in this process, like I'm still drinking alcohol. Um, I'm taking a lot of pain medication, but I start lifting weights and, and I kept asking the Lord to remove the, the drugs and the alcohol from me. Like it just, Lord, I don't have this ability. It's just not in me to do these things. And I need your assistance. And so he started to remove the pain medications from my life. Um, the more I started working out, I, I would remove pain medications. I went, when I went into that hospital, I was 215 pounds. Uh, in three weeks, I um, atrophied to 160. So I lost a good, what, 55 pounds in the hospital in the first three weeks. So my body just withered away in a really short period of time. And so all of a sudden, I'm putting on muscle again, and and I'm getting strength. And I'm going to see my doctor and he's baffled. Like I'm, I'm riding my bike to the doctor's offices now. And I'm just like, Hey, I'll just go ride my bike. I don't need a ride. Like I just need movement. I need activity. And, um, and that's what I was doing. I mean, the Lord was pressing on me, like, you're going to get better, but it's going to be a process and it's going to hurt. Like there was many days I woke up and I was in so much pain from working out and from, um, the trauma. And I would just, I would lay there and I'd cry and I'd get up and I'd go outside and I'd try to get fresh air and just, I would break down crying because I didn't really see a light at the end of the tunnel. I was just trusting that God was going to take care of it and that's it. Um, But there was a lot of times I was very hopeless. And you, at at this time, um, you were still staying with the friend, your friend? Yes. Yeah. Uh And then, and then I finally got to a place where I was down to one medication and the Lord really pressed it on my heart. Like I had a conversation with a brother in Christ and he told, he tells me, he goes, you know, God doesn't want you living off, off a disability. He wants you out in that world. He wants you out there making a difference. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. And, um, I always love fitness. So I wanted to use fitness to, to, to do that. And I remember I went to a, the gym one day and I'm listening to this music and I walk out from my workout and I hear the Lord just speak to me and I'm listening to ungodly music. So for me to hear this, like he had, he penetrated through that music and he said, in the midst of all the chaos, I will be there. Mm-hmm. And then he, he goes to say, you are going to heal people through fitness. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, where's this coming from? Like I'm in the midst of like a bone thugs and harmony song, right? Like this is the most ungodly music you could ever listen to. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm jacked up off of this workout and here the Lord comes in and he speaks these things into my life. And so, you know, with a combination of that and what my brother in Christ was saying, I, I started looking for work and I ended up getting a job at a, 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 a gym that had just opened up as a personal fitness trainer and um, I shared my story with them and what I came out of and said, hey, I just really, truly want to make a difference. Like all personal trainers say, we get into training because we want to make a difference. I just knew that I had a lot of childhood junk and a lot of physical junk that I slowly started to conquer to be able to get to this place again. And I wanted to be able to share that with people and encourage and inspire them to do the same and, and hope that they, they, it drew them closer to Christ. 
yeah. that was the hope. And so I start working at this facility. The manager of the facility has this young lady work out with me. She was one of the employees. She was a sales rep over at this gym. And um, she wants to see what kind of trainer I am. Uh, kind of give me an assessment. Well, um, I'm going to fast forward here really quick and then I'll come back. But I married that woman. And we yeah. have a beautiful two-and-a-half-year-old uh, son named Caleb. We have, uh, we're two weeks away from having a baby daughter. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I, yeah, well, you know, it, it's like, you know, God, God is so multifaceted because like he gives me that job to like get me back in the job role into fitness and, and inspiring people yet. But he also introduced me to my wife mm-hmm. and, um, you know, shortly after that, her and I both lost our jobs there. Um, mm-hmm. And, and we, we just knew, like we knew she went home one day and told her girl, she was a senior in college. My wife's a little bit younger than me. Uh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of brag about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so I was, I was I'm, I'm, I'm nine years, um, younger than my husband. Peter. For sure. Yeah. But, <laughs> we'll tell him I give him props. So, <laughs> so yeah, my, my wife's roughly 12 years younger than me. So, so she was 22 graduating. 21, 22. And I was about 33. And, um, you know, we both lose our jobs. And I remember I took her out on a date and we went to BJ's bar and grill and I was still struggling with alcohol, even though I, 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 I love the Lord, but I was still struggling with alcohol. It was still a big, big, big stronghold in my life. And I remember getting a pitcher of beer and she's like, I don't want any of that. And I was like, well, it wasn't for you anyway. It was like, for me, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> like, I was going to share my beer. And, uh, and I was like, and I plan on getting a second one. And, and, uh, and all serious, she, she looks at me and she goes, I don't like that. And in that moment, I was like, oh, this is the one. And this is how you're going to quit me. Get me to quit drinking, Lord. This is how it's going to happen, right? So the next, yeah, well, I'll tell you. It was like Alyssa, Alyssa was great throughout that, that nine months of our relationship. Because I came with a lot of baggage, a lot of baggage. But yet she still wanted to help me. I was in so much financial debt, but yet she, and this 22 year old young lady was just like, well, then we tackle it together. Well, then I help you. And then we do this. And it was always we, 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 like she was so committed right out the gate. And, um, and I just knew that the alcohol was going to be the biggest beef in our relationship. And, and it was, and it got to the point where she had graduated college um, she had started a new job. I took her car to go uh, help a friend move some stuff. I grabbed some alcohol on the, on the way, got drunk, was supposed to go pick her up, and I ended up driving up into some hills and crashing her car into somebody's house. And I fled the scene of the crime and and ran into a creek, and I hear all the cops and all the the, the chaos and... I had to go hide under somebody's house and, and, you know, she's trying to get a hold of me because they're trying to locate me and, and I'm scared and, and, and I'm, and I'm crying. I'm sad. Cause I'm just, I'm about to lose it all at this point. Yeah. And I'm laying and my phone just dies. My phone dies and I'm laying there and I'm talking to God. I'm like, Lord, I need you. And I need you to bail me out of this situation. And here's my reality. Like God already gave me my body back. He gave me, 
the ability to go work out and to work full time and to have a, a relationship again, like all these things, like he poured his goodness into my life and here I am throwing it away for alcohol. And I'm like, man, you already saved my life. And, and here I am. And I'm under the house begging and pleading with him. And I said, you know, Lord, you are so just, and I deserve all the consequences that are coming my way. But here, here's the deal, Lord. <laughs> like I'm going to make a deal with the Lord. But here's the deal. If, if, if you get me out of the situation, I will quit my job. And I'd advanced into a new position because we had lost our jobs. I'd, I'd got a, a brand new job where I was the top dog there. I was crushing it. I got a managerial position. I mean, I was, I was, I was flying. And um, I'm telling the Lord, you know, Lord, I'll walk away from my job. We were living in Northern California. I'll move to Southern California because that's where Alyssa wants to go. That's where her family's from. She wants to move back with her family. I'll move down there. I will marry Alyssa, and I will never touch a drop of alcohol again. If this is your will for my life, bail me out of this situation. And um, long story short, I ended up seeing five days, six days of community service. Um, They couldn't get me for the DUI. Turns out that the alcohol was located in the trunk of the car. It wasn't open container in the car. Mm. Um, yeah, so we moved to Southern California. And, and, and this is how good God is. Mm. He ends up transferring. So the regional manager of the company, so I was working for LA Fitness. They're, mm-hmm. they're, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So they, they created a sister company in, in Northern California called City Sports because you can't call anything LA in Northern California. It's just not going to happen. So they created a sister club called City Sports, and that's where I was just crushing it. Well, the the regional district manager loved me so much that he made a call down to Southern California where I'd be moving, and he told their regional, hey, I got this guy. You need him to open up your next club. Well, it turns out the next club was the corporate corporate location. There's only one corporate location. And so I ended up – so I go down south. I marry my wife. I get this job where I crush it. And then, um, and then we end up having, having Caleb and, um, yeah, you know, backtrack right before Caleb, we took our honeymoon instead of doing like the Hawaii or the Bahamas or the Caribbean type stuff, you know, we're, we're really heavily into fitness. So we're just like, Hey, let's go, let's go to Colorado. Colorado seems like a place that we'd like to hang out. So we went to visit three cities uh, the last one being uh, Colorado Springs, and we just fell madly in love. And, and God really put it on her heart that this is where we were going to come. Uh-huh. And and my wife said, all right, by five years from this date, because I think we went in 2013 or something, she's like, we're going to pay off all of our bills. We're going to have our first kid, and we're going we're gonna to pay off the car. And this is when we're going to move to Colorado Springs. I'm like, all right, babe, you're calling it. And the truth is, is all that stuff happened. And wow. we ended, yeah, we ended up moving up. Well, my wife is like Dave Ramsey. That's what she does. <laughs> She's like, she is just like financially savvy. And so, you know, she pulls me out of all this debt, takes my 400 credit score to 800. Like we're moving out of Cali and now we're in Colorado Springs. And, you know, I just felt like when we were here visiting, it was just a, a, a very beautiful place. Well, What's happening here in Colorado Springs is it has a very high suicide rate um, amongst teens. You have a lot of disabled veterans here because of the military. 
Um, there's a very high drug epidemic here, a lot of meth, methamphetamines here. And so all those places, all those things really touch my heart. I mean, I know what it's like being disabled, um, being broken and beaten and medicated. So I can, so I can relate to the vets, you know, these kids, I know, I know what it's like to be a suicidal uh, teenager because I dealt with those feelings and thoughts throughout my whole teens into my twenties until I finally pulled the trigger at 29, you know, and meth. Well, here's the thing, like, um, my dad, I just lost my dad in October to a meth overdose. Mm. You know, my mom just got clean. My sister still struggles. So all these things are very close to me. These, these things. So, so what I did is, is I started creating a community here and, uh, my wife and I have opened a gym out of the house called Kingdom Fit, and the Fit stands for Faith in Training. And ultimately, it's just a safe place for people to come. You know, uh, we can work out. I mean, the working out is what's going to get your foot in the door. But if you need pr- prayer, we pray. Like, let's talk about. I watched the Lord strip me of all of this childhood garbage. You know, he's the best psychologist. He's the best family therapist. He's he's the best, like, um, drug and alcohol group in the yeah. world. Yes, he, he really is. is. He is the deliverer, and he is the healer, and he is the ultimate doctor, and yes. he will give you all your life back. And I know that for a fact because these are all things that doctors and surgeons and and groups, they couldn't do for me. But, but Christ did it for me. Mm-hmm. He did it for me. And so that's just the message that I try to pour uh, to people through my ministry. And so, you know, I'm creating a safe place um, that people can come and just open up and be real. And I can share my life experiences. We could talk about their life experiences and I can share what forgiveness is all about and how it's so healing to you and, you know, the love of Christ and and. And we'll do some some squats in the meantime. We'll do some push-ups, you know? <laughs> we'll, we'll put it down. We'll throw a burpee. Oh, that's in my it. kind of gym. <laughs> right? So we'll do jumping jacks for Jesus. But, you know, ultimately, you know, and this is something God pressed on my heart a, a long time ago was to create something like this. And he's the one that named it Kingdom Fit uh, years ago. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, just, I wrote it down here. I'm like, okay, yeah. we're going to put out on the show. Yeah, keep going. That's, that's yeah, yeah. Well, many years ago, um, I went to a, a, a youth, a winter youth camp, and there was a, a pastor there, and I heard that he had prophesied over people. So, you know, I fasted for three days. I did a li- liquid fast, and I said, you know, Lord, if if uh, if there's anything there for me, you know, I'm, I'm so ready to receive. I, I'm just so willing to receive. But I also know that we're there for the kids. We're, we're there to help the kids. Like, I love helping the teenage kids. They're just because I was a teenage kid that was very lost and needed help. And um, and, and I show up to this camp and and he's prophesying all of a sudden, like his back's turned to me. And he just turns over and he points over to me. He's like in you. And he's talking about all this stuff that no one knows about in my life. And he's like digging. And I was going through some serious, uh, when I jumped out of that window, I had been running from the law too. I had had some stuff that I was running from and it all caught up when 
I jumped out of that window. So even though I got released of those charges, I still had to face some other stuff that I had previously got in trouble for. And so I was going to court for those things. No one knew that stuff. And this pastor starts, and he's just like, you're going to court and don't even worry because the Lord's standing right there, right next to you. And I'm just like, and I'm bawling my eyes out like a little baby because I'm just like, ah, you know, like, (laughs) yeah. Well, then he goes to say something even more powerful he goes, you've been given the spirit of Joseph, and and um, Joseph was given a kingdom. And what really struck me about that statement was that Joseph was accused of rape. So of all people he could have compared me to, he compared me to Joseph. Yeah. And that really nailed me hard. Right. Um, so fast forward and, and I'm over here like, okay, Laura, I get this is what you want me to do. You want me to create this gym. You want it to be like a church, but a gym and a fellowship. And this is what you want. But like, what are we going to call it? <laughs> and he goes, I've already named it kingdom. It's kingdom fit. And, and, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, like it's kingdom fit. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And, and the name stuck and, and, um, you know, but I, it's because he gets all the glory, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to get any of the glory and, and um, for any of my fitness feats or being healthy or having a good life. Like, uh, you know, that's that's not to my credit at all. You know, it's it's only by his goodness and love that I was able to, like, get up out of that bed and do all those things and right. to even want to want to change. Like, like I want to be I want to put a, a smile on my dad's face. Like I want to put a smile on Papa's face and, and I want to honor him. And, and, uh, I want to be more like Jesus as much as I can. I still got a real long way to go. I ain't gonna lie. Um, but I really, you know, and, and, but, but he gives me this, this love for people and this understanding and, and, um, and, and I just want to use those gifts that he's given me, uh, to, to, to make a difference in other people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this, this, I've been glued to this screen. (laughs) I mean, it's a a powerful testimony and it's just, it's so anointed and so real. Um, And one of the questions I was going to ask, you know, was what was the relationship like? I'm sorry to hear that your father, that he passed away. I'm I'm really sorry about that. That was, I was going to ask your your relationship like with him, him now. Um, But at, at, before he passed, were you all, were things better? Well, um, they were good in the sense of I had forgiven my father for everything that he'd done because God wants to for in order for me to heal and to grow and to help others. Like I had to forgive my father and, you know, God gave me insight on my dad and, and, you know, my dad had his own demons and he's his own struggles. And, you know, my dad, so the story behind my dad, so my mom, we know my mom, she was raped and beaten and kicked out of the house. Well, my dad, um, turns out his, his father, my grandpa raped my grandma and, and that's how my father was conceived. And, and I believe that he knew this his whole life. And that's something that just really tormented him. And, um, but God gave me insight on that. And, and I forgave my father for all that he ever treated me. And, and I remember even one phone conversation. My dad says, why, why do you even love me? Why do you even talk to me? And I said, I don't know, Dad. I just love you. I just do. And I just don't think he knew how to handle that kind of stuff. Um, because he, he knew he was really hard on me. 
you know, my, I, I nurture like Caleb's two and a half years old. I, I throw catch with him and I play baseball with him. And, uh, if you ever watch my social media, my kid is a stud. <laughs> um, and that's more, that's more than just proud dad, proud, proud dad stuff. Like my, my son is something else. He's a special kid and, uh, his hand eye can, coordination is phenomenal but i never had those opportunities where i got to throw catch with my dad or play baseball with my dad my dad didn't even show up for my games my dad when my best friend's dad paid for me to play baseball drafted me first on his team um and just and they let me live with them like my dad wasn't having that my dad showed up to the baseball field pulled me off the field in the middle of the game and like baseball was my jesus before jesus like baseball was my thing and, um, and, and that was just my relationship with my dad and baseball and, and, but, um, but I forgave my dad for those things and I understood where he was coming from and, you're not and allowed to play anymore. Huh? Were you not allowed to play anymore? No, he said I wasn't a good enough kid at home. Like I didn't do my chores or good, good enough grades and all that stuff. And, and I wasn't allowed to, to, to play. I mean, I ended up still playing a little bit because of. Uh, everything that went on and my, my best friend's family, they saw something in me and they wanted me to play baseball, it kept me out of trouble. And they knew I loved it a lot. And my best friend was on my team for a couple of my teams anyway. So it was, it, it was a really amazing experience there, but, um, but I really had to forgive my father for a lot of that kind of stuff. And so when my, my father, um, died, uh, I was just so broken inside because of the love I felt for him. And and I know that I could only get that love from God because he showed me like my dad was just a broken man and needed a lot of love that he yeah. just never received. And, and what, what made me so at peace with his passing was the image of Christ reaching his hand down to my father and saying, are you ready to accept me? You ready to go home? And my dad just taking his last breath and just grabbing Jesus and and uh, and and Jesus taking him off, and that's what gives me great peace because I prayed for my dad so much and I believe that when I asked Jesus for my dad to receive him, that 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 Jesus honored that and he showed up in those final moments and was just like, hey, this is a request of your son, <laughs> you know, okay, accept me and, and go home with me and 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 that's that's my hope and and. Um, but I love my dad. I love my dad. And, and, and it was a, a crummy, crummy way for him to go out because my mom lost her brother to drugs and alcohol. My uncle lost my, my dad to drugs and alcohol. Her, her husband two years before had a heart attack walking down the street and that was alcohol related. So my mom had lost all these people too. And, and, and I loved all those people. And so, you know, I'm watching loved ones fall off from, uh, this demonic, um, drink and drug. So what about your, your biological father? No, you know, I, I reached out to him when we had Caleb and I was like, Hey, you know, I understand that you're my dad. And I'd met him a couple of times and, uh, you know, I just want to let you know that you're, you're a grandfather and, you know, I just want to let you know, I don't want absolutely anything from you. I just want you to know that I'm here. Um, and he never, you know, he never responded. He talked to my mom a couple times and he told my mom that, that, you know, I had tried to reach out, but you know, I, I pray for, for him too. And I, I hope that he, it, it comes to a place where he can pick up the phone and, you know, 
and just say hi. But if it doesn't happen, it's okay. You know, I'm at peace with that. And that God, God is so awesome that he, he gives us that peace. Yeah. You know? Oh, for it's, sure. It's an amazing thing. Um, so I want to go, go back a little bit yeah. to when you had, when you wrecked your, your wife's car. Yes. Um, and she just, okay. Clearly she had to have been upset. Yeah. Right. So yeah. she, I just want to know what was her reaction? Oh I'm thinking, man. Oh man. So this God is, Oh, this is Ryan. <laughs> what was her initial reaction when, and then she's trying to call you yeah. and you're around. What was her reaction? Well, I'm sure initially she was angry that I just crashed her car, which her um, recently passed grandfather had purchased for her. Um, But I'm sure, you know, she was, she was trying to find, she just wanted to find me that night. She just wanted to find me. And so there's actually a little bit more of a story to that. So when, when I, when I pled with God under that house, I heard him say, now get up and go. So I get up and I start walking down the street and I have no idea where I'm at. And this lady runs past me and she completely ignores her when I try talking to her. And I'm like, God, what's that all about? And I turn the corner and I see this school and I know this school, it's a junior college by my house. And, um, and I, I walk up and they're doing construction. I talk to this guy and I'm telling the construction worker, like, I just had a really rough night. You, you can tell. It's obvious. He lets me sit in his car because I'm soaking wet and I'm cold. He turns on the heater. He calls a taxi and he tells me this. He goes, so um, um, the taxi is going to meet you at the police station on the campus. And I'm not thinking. I'm like, cool, because I'm getting closer to home now. So I get to the police station. These cops are walking past me and they're looking at me. And they're just like, I mean, I'm asking these police officers, A, can I get a phone charger so I can call my girlfriend? I just want to let her know that I'm okay. Like, I don't know what I'm thinking in this moment. Um, Well, the crazy thing is all they had to do was run my name in that moment. And I was finished. I was so done. And, uh, they, they ignored me. One guy's like, Nope, don't have one. Like the cops just blew me off. So I get to the house. Taxi picks me up. I get to the house and she's just cool, calm and collected. Like nothing really happened. And, uh, she she gives me a hug and and we go upstairs and she's like, you know, okay, well, we got to do something about this and we're gonna go down to the police station and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna talk to them and everything and and she was just really cool and 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 for her she was just like, this is it, like you're drinking, it just has to stop, it just has to be over with, and um, I believe that she was she she had told me that. That night she slept really well because she had great peace and she believed that God was telling her that it was going to be okay, that everything was going to be okay. And my wife wasn't quite a Christian yet. My wife said that she would pray to God. She didn't really have a relationship in that sense, but she would she she would pray to God and ask for a Christian man in her life. She wanted a Christian man. And and then the Lord brought her this hot mess to her, right? <laughs> <laughs> Be careful with Jess for uh, So, so yeah, but, but so the Lord gave her great peace. And so, um, she was actually really cool about the situation. She, she was pretty, you know, she was bummed out about the car and everything, but like she handled it really well. 
and she was pretty cool. So, um, she was loving about it. My wife really loves me. She's, yeah, we've loved each other since we first met. So well yeah that had to be god because yeah yeah <laughs> to be god because yeah anyone else would have been um livid yeah yeah absolutely well, this i mean this is just a an amazing testimony and i'm so grateful to god that you <laughs> just shared it with us i mean i could go on and on and on but we're already past an hour <laughs> so we may have to do a part two <laughs> for sure for sure this was really, really great. So um, tell us, tell all of the listeners out there where we can find you on social media. And if any in the area where you are interested in getting fit, let us um, give us your social media handles, if you don't mind. Um, and um, where we can find out about Kingdom Fit, even give us that information as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have a website, Rob Decker Speaks, and that's where you can find uh, the CBN video, all the podcasts I've been on. I was actually in a chapter of a book as well, and I and I put that chapter on on the webpage. Um, I've been in a couple articles and stuff like that. I, I'm pretty sure one of the articles is is on the webpage as well. And then on the tabs, there's Kingdom Fit. So Kingdom Fit is just it's very young, um, so I don't have its own webpage, but you can go on there as yeah. well and. Um, there's places where people can donate uh, for Kingdom Fit because ultimately what we're trying to do is um, get into a bigger facility so that I can meet with more people and, yeah. um, you know, always kind of keep that intimate space for those that need it, but also create something much larger so that you can create more of like, instead of group fitness, more of like fellowship fitness where people are coming together and stuff like that it, it's something that i wanted to create and also and also having more of like you know i always believe that christ wants to meet you where you're at and sometimes people are afraid to leave their home to go into a, a fitness facility or even a church so for us to be mobile and to be able to go into um people's homes and train them and and and, and pray for them and stuff like that it's like part of the vision that the Lord has put on my heart. So, um, kingdom fit is there. Rob Decker speaks is there. My, um, speaks.com. Yeah, yes, yes, okay. yes. And you know, there you can find, I mean, you'll find me on Facebook on under Rob Decker and on, on Instagram, it's Decker underscore Rob, but you should be able to click on those things on my webpage. Um, there's also, if you want to leave a comment or a message, or you want me to share my story at your church or whatever it is, um, there's also, a, you know, somewhere where you can fill that out and, and I'll respond as, as soon as I can. Okay. Perfect. All right. I'm going to reiterate all of that on the show. Yeah. Oh, well, this looks great. This was <laughs> This was an amazing testimony. Um, and, uh, oh, you know, only God gets the glory. You know, I'm all just, of it. All of it. Yes. yes, 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 yes. You know, everyone that comes on and shares their story. And um, because you never know who it is that you're touching, you know, and right. this, was, this was very powerful. And, um, you know, God definitely has his hand on your life and has been yes. guiding and keeping you. And so I'm just going to pray for your family, for your new baby that's on the way and your wife. Yes. And, yes. All of the great things that God is doing for you right now. And we just pray many blessings, um, an overflow of blessings for you and your family. Um, but thank you. 
Thank you. You're for very coming. welcome. And thank you so much. I'm going to definitely, definitely be in touch with you. Yes. Uh, this was great. And can we, you know, bring it, bring you back in another year or so to do yes, an update? For sure. Well, you know, hopefully Kingdom Fit will, uh, Kingdom Fit will be going pretty strong. And so hopefully that will open up other doors to do other things. And, and um, I would always love to talk about what God's doing in other people's lives. Cause eventually I would like to even create my own podcast where I bring in people that have a bunch of testimonies and, okay. and uh, people that I've met, you know, and, and them share like their God experiences and, um, but that's down the road, but yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, great. Thank you so much for being You're very with welcome. us, everyone. This was Rob Decker. And if you have any questions or comments that you would like to leave for Mr. Decker, you know, you can email them to info at success in Christ. Thanks Rob for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Thanks. Well, praise the Lord. Is God not an awesome God? Our God is an awesome God and he reigns from heaven above. I mean, did that testimony not just blow your mind? Just to be put in a situation where you felt like life was not worth living. Uh, Attempt to take your own self out and God saves and rescues you because why God knows that he has a call on your life. He knows that there is purpose for our lives. And so he saves us from ourselves. That is something to give God glory and honor for. Thank you, Jesus, for the life of Rob. And thank you for his testimony, um, for his willingness to share it with all of us. It is truly a blessing. And Lord, we just praise you for what you are doing in his life. Hey, Success in Christ listeners, it is my prayer that that testimony touched you just as much as it touched me. It just reminds me of just how much God loves us, his sovereign love for us, and just how good he is. I mean, even when we're not good, God is good. Even when we doubt, God is good. Even when we disappoint him, God is still good. You know, God is just good. He's just a good God. And uh, I thank God for that. Um, right now, I just want to go over a couple things with you all. Um, number one, I think if um, I think I mentioned this before, if you listen to one of the podcasts that I did a while back, I had talked about um, a vision that God had given me and a new direction for Success in Christ podcast. And there are going to be some changes coming up that will be pretty soon, uh, either at the end of this year or right at the beginning of 2020. I'm just going to wait to see what the Lord would have me to do. But Success in Christ is going through a transformation. We are going to have a new name and a new look. Um, and our testimonies, uh, testimony, testimonial interviews and things are going to be just a little bit different. And I'm thanking God for the direction that he, he is taking us to. But the new name for Success in Christ podcast will now be Crazy Faith podcast. And why? Because, you know, we live in a world now where there are some things going on that we never thought would happen that are unbelievable. And it takes a type of faith in God that is unbelievable. You know, believing God for the things that we see are that we don't see with our natural eye, but believing God for things that we cannot see. That is a faith that uh, some people call crazy, that some people don't believe exists. But how many know that God is a God that specializes in those things that are um 
unbelievable to the human eye or to the human mind that we cannot conceive. But the new name for Success in Christ podcast will now be Crazy Faith Podcast. And I thank God for the vision and the direction that he is taking this podcast to. So stay tuned for some pretty amazing and some pretty awesome things. Um, I've heard from a couple of you here recently, and I just want to say thank you for the emails. And just know that I am still praying for you in those situations. Guys, if you have anything that you'd like for me to pray about, or if you'd like for me to even mention here on the podcast, uh, again, reach out to me at info at successinchrist.net. Just email me your prayer request and we'll talk about those uh, if you would desire for me to talk about those. If not, I will just pray about it and that will be between you and I. You know, God is just good and I believe that God is going to do some wonderful things through this podcast and for all of you that are listening. So let's give God glory, honor, and praise for that. If these podcasts are being a blessing to you, if you are enjoying them, do not forget to subscribe, number one, and to leave a review. Let me know if these are blessing you. Let me know if you are enjoying them. It is my desire to reach those uh, individuals that have amazing and powerful testimonies that will be life-changing for you all as well. But you know, the, the odd thing about it is, is that God is sending them to me. I've gotten several emails here within the last month or so for individuals requesting that I interview them. And so, you know, I take this podcast very seriously. It is a ministry. I make sure that it is God's will first that they um, are on this podcast because it's not just about getting somebody on here and them telling their testimony, but it's what God would have me to share with you all. So um, I thank God for those individuals that have reached out and, um, you know, the interviews that we do have lined up that will be coming up soon on the uh, Crazy Faith podcast. As always, guys, thank you so, so much for joining me. Um, I want to encourage you to reach out to Rob on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, he says his handle is Rob Decker. Uh, let's keep him in prayer. He and his wife's business venture, Kingdom Fit. That is uh, an amazing name, and we know that God's hand is definitely in it. So let's remember to keep he and his family lifted up in prayer. Um, I thank God for them. They just had a, a new baby girl two weeks ago, so give God praise and honor for that. And their new baby girl, God bless them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, email me at info at success in Christ. Again, if you have any prayer requests, and always visit me online. You can visit my website at LaGeniaBearden.com. I love you guys and stay tuned for the next uh, interview that will be coming up soon on the Crazy Faith Podcast. So I do believe that the subscription will stay the same if you subscribe to Success in Christ, <clears throat> that when it's changed over to Crazy Faith that you will still get those notifications. I love you guys. Be blessed. And we'll see you next time.